welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs with ADHD. We speak to successful business owners and industry experts to bring you the best tips and insights to help you launch and scale your business. Stick with us and we'll give you actionable steps that you can take right now that will get results. This podcast is hosted by Dan Gizain, founder of Entrepreneur.com and owner of Hoxo Creative, the web agency that helps your business stand out and get results. Now, on to the show with your host, Dan Gizain. Well, this is episode six of the Entrepreneur Podcast, and today I'm with Lee Jackson. Lee is a web developer, he's a speaker, entrepreneur, and he's a host of one of the best WordPress podcasts around, Agency Trailblazer. Uh, welcome to the show, Lee. All right, mate. It's really nice to be at the best, you said, the best around. That's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm honoured to receive this award. What do I win? Uh, shout out. Oh, A yay. link on the site. <laughs> <laughs> so check the show notes and you can check out our amazing podcast as well. But thanks, mate. Uh, it's, it's lovely to be on your show. I'm really excited to support you um, and to have you grill me with questions. I'm actually petrified. I don't know what you're going to ask. So um, let's do this. Yeah, cool. Thanks for coming on. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get you on as well to... I try and stick to the podcast and what we're on about, but we're hope we're going to cover a bit of coffee and Florida, Disney. Why not? So it's cool. Beards. That's all good. But yeah. Beards. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I grew this to look more attractive to my wife and uh, I get more compliments off of the men. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that, that backfired. <laughs> but hey, I don't mind. I quite like the compliments. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for yourself, I, I want to go right back to when you got into web development, I've obviously listened to your podcast and I've heard, but for everyone else, um, where did it all start? Where did web, web development start for, for you? Were you a freelancer? Did you work for someone else after school? Um, where did it begin? Yeah, so I always wanted to be in drama. I wanted to be on the BBC and all of that sort of good stuff. So I was doing drama at college. But at the same time, I was pulling apart old machines like the Amstrad PCW-16, which had a Z80 chip. And I was fascinated with how they worked. And I was learning the assembler programming language so I could make programs for it. And there was probably five people in the entire UK that even owned one anyway. So I don't know why I was bothering. But you know when you just get interested and you kind of just go into this deep well of – I think some people just get trapped in that forever. So you've got people who still play the old Spectrum games, and that's cool because I do too. Um, but uh, you know, I just got really deep into this, and I wanted to create some sort of online presence about this machine. I was a massive fan of it, and I found Tripod. So this is back in 97 or 96 or something like that. I found Tripod, which was this website builder. I say website builder. It was basically glorified FTP. And I had to then work out how to create HTML and write about my Amstrad PCW and work out how to upload pictures of it. And I used frames and tables and there was no CSS back then or anything. But that gave me the bug to start building websites, of which then led to me essentially never returning to college again, having taught myself on the college computers instead of drama how to build a website. Um, And then when we moved down south, uh, which was in the late 90s, um, I then started building websites for local businesses. And I've got to admit, they were awful. You know, I was learning and web was still quite early, so they liked them and I liked them. And then front page came along and everyone thought they could do it themselves and uh, kind of gave in a bit early. So I ended up getting a job for a long time to pay the bills, which was in security and then in IT. Um, So that was kind of my long journey. And the whole time throughout that, I was making websites for myself or I was creating games. Like I created a 
uh, a breakout game, uh, which was really good fun. It had millions of downloads. It was featured on like German magazines and all sorts of stuff like that. So I just had all these crazy little things on the side that I was always doing. And then eventually um, I met some agency owners who really needed a web developer, someone to build up their digital side of things. And they knew that I dabbled on the side. So they welcomed me into their fold, as it were, uh, about 10 or more so years ago. Uh, and that's where the actual agency life began for me. Cool. Interesting journey. It's a very interesting journey. Yeah. It's a bit random as well. I love how we all think we're going to do something and we do something completely different by the end of it. But yeah. I think all of us need to go on that journey. Kids are told, aren't they? they? Oh, you need to know what your career is. You need to study for your future career. You're like in year nine, which is, um, I don't know what grade that is in the States if you're listening. But when you're 13 here in the UK, you're being told, oh, this is going to be your career. We're going to put your skills into a program called Kudos. And it's going to tell you what your future career is going to be. And then you need to pick your GCSEs based on that. And you need to go to college based on that. And it's so freaking overwhelming. Um, and you know and they're telling you these careers that you're never ever going to do i think i'm pretty sure they they said that i was um, a time waster and uh, i had no hope which was awful awful of them to say uh, but yeah um, but it's funny how you then meander through this journey and end up doing something uh, which is really geeky and cool definitely and, and web was all brand new back then well i mean i'm 34 yeah. i don't know how old you are but i finished school in 2000 yeah i'm 30 uh, 36 mate so a couple of years older a yeah. couple of years wiser same era yeah yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah so, so web was all brand new. I mean, there was... wait, wait, wait. Do you, do you remember this? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was me doing a modem noise. <laughs> oh, who's, who's on the phone? You've got remember. the internet off. I remember oh, yeah. That. I remember my doing that, and I could hear my mum through the modem. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Trying to disconnect the internet. Sorry, okay, we went off on a tangent. Yeah, oh, it's horrible. Bad days. <laughs> I'll tell you what, love. I, I recently. I've been thinking about that recently. I joined EE. Yeah. I mean, we, we live in, we're not out in the sticks, we're on like a side of a town. But mm. It's kind of, they call it a village. But yep. um, we joined EE from BT. And mm. EE broadband was meant to be like blazing fast. And I tell you what, my, my dial-up was probably faster. It was like back to the Stone Age. I've had to get rid of it. Well, we're doing all right on your 56K modem right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was horrendous. But um, yeah. I mean, do, you remember, do you ever use GeoCities? Yep, I used GeoCities yeah. for a little while, but because I got into Tripod, which is actually a good good, good thing to do, I think, because, because it was a glorified FTP program, you kind of had to learn, um, uh, I think GeoCities maybe was, but GeoCities tended to be more personal websites with people yeah. using, um, and the, everyone had like the animated email GIF and all of that sort of stuff, oh, you know, horrendous. the spinning at sign or the yeah. opening mailbox uh, and dancing baby uh, GIF was there as well. It's funny, isn't it, how GIFs have come full circle. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that was my very early days. And then, yeah, like I said, into agency life about 10 or 12 years ago. I don't know. It's quite a long time ago now. Cool. I still had a bit of hair back then. <laughs> so when did you first find WordPress? And what, what made you go for WordPress over other content management systems? Did you, did you try Magento? Did you try some of the others out there? Drupal? I tried all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, Magento wasn't uh, not is it Magento. And then it turned into Joomla or something like that. Or something like uh, some sort of story yeah, there, the wasn't there? Yeah. I used Drupal for a while. Um, but I also used something that a lot of people won't have heard of, which is something called Dixit. That's D-I-X-I-T. And it was written by a French guy. Um, and it was a very, very simple um content management system that allowed you to create new uh, pages and i think it used a very old variety of the ck editor something very similar uh, where you could then do uh, each one of your web pages and then i could create a mini website so that's what i did for a lot of my clients i didn't want to keep doing html all the time so i used that and then i used um 
I found WordPress in its blog state, and it was called – I want to say it was called BB something. I can't remember now what it was called. But essentially before it became WordPress, I started playing with that as an experimental tool. It then forked into WordPress. So I was pretty much using it from day one, 0.7 point something or other. Um, and we built a – well, I say we. I, on my own, built a bed and breakfast website with that. Um it, you couldn't do booking or anything. It was like a brochure site, but it was the absolute bottom line basic burger. I used the theme that came with it and uh, tried to make it look better and found it really difficult because there wasn't really that much information available. Um, and then kind of just over time of making my own blogs of stuff I was interested in, none of which pretty much exist anymore. I got more and more used to WordPress itself and how to start theming for WordPress. And then because of that, decided I wanted to learn more PHP so I could make my own plugins for WordPress. So that journey kind of carried on throughout my entire IT career and my entire security career to the point where the, you know the guys were like, this guy knows his onions. We want him in with our agency to help us launch the digital side. And obviously, I've come wet behind the years. I don't have years of, uh, of qualifications behind me. So I'm obviously going to be a cheap hire into that agency uh, to help them go digital. So that, that was attractive to them and attractive to me because I was so, so sick of the IT industry and so sick of all of the um, – uh, for example, we had things like this Sarbanes-Oxley, uh, where um, because of uh, – I think – I can't remember the company, Emron or something, went bust and a few years ago. And it was a massive scandal in the in the USA and it was all – there was all these new things that they had to roll out uh, as a result to make sure that the finances of these big corporations were being looked after and you had to go through all these security protocols. So my job in IT went from being this fun job where I could pretty much do anything I wanted to being this process where everything, every decision had to be validated, had to go through a committee, had to be signed off and it just became so boring and stressful and horrible. So yeah, when those guys offered me that position, I was just like, yeah. I'm on my way. Cool. IT. <laughs> um, did you ever use the, the old AS400? Nope. Not that old. No. Well, I, think I, did, well, <laughs> I, I worked for some company and they were, they were like, it's like dinosaurs working from, but they were they, younger they, than they, me, mate. Yeah. Right AS400 system was horrendous, yeah. but they were just way behind. But, um, so when you first got into your agency, mm-hmm, so you've you've worked in IT. You got you worked for someone else. You started your own agency. What was that like when you first started? How did you go and get your name out as Angle Crown or or Lee Jackson, sure. the freelancer? Well, um, so when I joined that agency, very quickly it became clear that I would needed to become a partner in the business rather than just a, an employee. So it actually switched out and actually became a third share owner of that business. Um, and through that business, we we grew in the events industry massively to the extent where it became two companies. One was the digital side of the business, which did software in the events industry, and the other part was design. Um, so what therefore happened was we we, um, we split those out. I also created my own company where I wanted to do what I found a passion for, which was I joined that business and helped a design agency become a digital agency, and I wanted to be able to do that for loads of other people. And being in the software business where we've already created the software – and we just have to support it. There's not much else you can do other than sales and admin, which is a bit boring. So I thought, well, I might as well have Angled Crown, my new company, being 
uh, the business that helps other agencies do what I helped my old company do. And um, so we started off with just one message, which was we will do your uh, your WordPress themes from your designs. Nice and simple. Everyone can get the idea. And that's how we started with Angle Crown. And then it's grown and grown and grown. So initially grew through word of mouth um, from one agency to another. You need to use Lee and his team. They do great jobs, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then I realized that I really need to scale that up if I was going to get more traction, customers from around the world as well, more interesting projects, etc. Then I was going to need to do something crazy and decided to launch the podcast as a result. It actually took me two years to launch the podcast. But when I did, uh, where as of this recording, episode 199 goes out um, next week and then I'll be recording episode 200 later on. Wow. Which is insane. That is, that is amazing. So how, how do you get so much done? How do you get so much done? Um, well, I don't have ADHD necessarily, although I would uh, exhibit a lot of those uh, – uh, what are the words? Um, I'd exhibit a lot of the symptoms of ADHD, etc. I do struggle especially with focus. I do struggle as well with um, – getting distracted and going off down a complete tangent that's got nothing to do with what I'm meant to be doing, et cetera. Um, so, you know, and obviously it's difficult to get a lot of these things done. So I've got two secret weapons to get things done. The first one, actually, let's say, if it, let's say I've got three. The first one is I tell everyone what I'm going to do. Um, like you did, you said, Hey, I'm uh, about to interview Lee tomorrow. So now you're accountable for remembering to interview Lee tomorrow because you're going to let other people down, including Lee. So I do that a lot. Like I, I launched the podcast because I told everyone I was going to. I launched the event that's coming up because I told everyone I was going to. And I can't pull back now. I've got to keep going. So that's the first thing you know, with regards to accountability. The second secret weapon is um, batching. So, and I think you've alluded to this way, you've sometimes struggled to get episodes out. Uh, so what I do is we actually record most of our episodes weeks in advance. So I'll have maybe six or seven episodes in the can and they can then be uh, filtered out. That avoids me from being let down by guests or me getting too busy and not being able to record anything. And it gives me this time where I can just record stuff and then have it autom automatically uh, fed out. And then the final um, secret weapon is uh, my teammate, Larissa. Uh, so she and the rest of the team really help support me get a lot of these things done. Um, so she has, for example, we met just now and we made this massive list. If you're watching on camera, you can see this list. So we just had a meeting. We then assigned who was going to do what. She's got a copy of this list and she's helping me work through it. We've already nailed about eight different things on there because she can do all of the quick wins that she can do rather than me having to do them and forgetting to do them or me putting them all on to the following day, which is a very common thing that I'll do. So, um, yes, those are, are three kind of things that I do to get things done. There's the accountability, there's batching of content. So that's video, podcast, blog posts, all that sort of stuff. So that's putting aside maybe half a day to get a whole load of stuff done. A lot of pain, but for a lot of gain. Um, and then finally having good team members around you. And if you're a business, you know, business member on your own, it's still cool. You can still have a good team around you because that could be a good freelancer who's going to take the audio editing from you, or it could be a good designer who's going to do the, all the artwork for your podcast or for your blog post, or it could be a good copy writer whatever it is you can build those relationships up to get those things done i think the biggest mistake we all make in in entrepreneurial life is we try and do everything we try build our own websites we try design our own stuff we try to do this that and the other and that tends to be what actually holds us back as opposed to finding people who've got the skills and getting them involved cool oh and, and when we talk about 
say say freelance and hiring i mean mm-hmm. larissa obviously i don't know larissa but from the podcast i feel like i know her and you yeah. you hired larissa you trained her up and now she's like an amazing member of your team so she how is. what would you what advice would you give to finding the right people because may not over the years I've, I've hired so many freelancers from upwork and other places and it's it's been hit and miss i've, yeah. I've put things in like decent questions and screening and you, obviously, you're still going to get spam, but filtering through that, I've still managed to get some people that I've paid that have showed me decent work, they've done my work, yeah. and it's been absolute tosh, and it's been a waste of money. <laughs> um, but I've had others like um, Arif in Bangladesh, worked yeah. for years. He's made websites, um, logos, and graphics that I've seen all over the place in the UK that came yeah. through my agency a couple of years back when we yeah. were doing all sorts of work for maybe the NHS and organisations, we see them everywhere. Um, he's brilliant, but he's probably one of the only people that I'll continue to work with. So how do you filter out the, the, the shit? <gasps> you swore. I'll put the E on it now. A... So, yeah, you can put an E on it. You better add, you know, just in case. You don't, you don't want your podcast to get blocked. Um, okay, so that's a big question. Uh, let, me, let me answer two questions that I think are in there. Uh, number one, you're talking about hiring, which is uh, I'll tell you about the, the, the Larissa's hiring and also Karthik, etc. Um, and then you've also got the question with freelancers. So first of all, with regards to hiring, and we've just put the fan on because it's absolutely baking in this office. So, uh, But with regards to hiring, we like to hire people who don't necessarily come with all of the skills, um, but they come with an attitude of wanting to learn. So when Larissa joined, she didn't have any skills in developing websites or plugins, etc. Um, so she joins us as an apprentice. She's been here for uh, over four years now, and she has learned on the job. So it requires a lot of patience, a lot of time, etc. But the great thing is she came hungry to learn and did a heck of a lot of self-teaching. Karthik was, was the same years and years and years. Me and Karthik have been working in different companies as well. Um, and I've taught him, he's taught me, and we've both grown together. So it's always been built on a long-term friendship. Um, for our contractor hires as well, it's usually based on the same sort of thing. It's usually people who want to learn. If we're going to get an expert in, which is where we're going to move into the freelancer thing then. So if we're going to get a contractor, a freelancer, whatever you want to call, um, want to call them, then the way we find the best is by going and doing very small projects with them first most of us i bet you'll recognize this most of us will probably hire a freelancer last minute for something massive um because we've run out of time and we finally succumbed and said all right we need a freelancer to design this landing page because i've got no time and the client's going to murder me so we give a massive brief to this poor random freelancer who doesn't know you from madam and you lob everything at them and then the freelancer does their best in the really big rush of time and it just looks awful and everyone falls out. Uh, That tends to be how most people engage with freelancers, which is the worst thing you could possibly do. And I say that because it's exactly what I did for years. Uh, What I do nowadays is if I'm going to build up new relationships, maybe I'm looking for an SEO expert, maybe I'm looking for a designer, maybe I'm looking for a developer, whatever that's going to be, I'm going to get them involved in a very, very, very small part of a project where I'll give them a very clear, small brief of a small bit of work that I need them to do and if they can do that and do that well and and pass it back no problem we can then build on that relationship and build and build and build until the point where i can trust them with an entire website or an entire seo strategy etc and that does take time but that's the best way because that means you're not going to have to kiss lots and lots of frogs instead you can do you know maybe find a couple of freelancers work with them and then develop the relationship have you ever heard of um uh, what's it called storming norming performing no no let me explain it because this is really helpful when you're working with a freelancer. So with most uh, relationships, any relationship that you can think of, um, for example, if you think of um, a company, you're all strangers all thrown in a room, aren't you? 
and you all have to work together. It's the same with clients or it's the same way you, you, you connect with a freelancer and you've got to work together. You, you both have different ways of communicating. You both have different ways of working, etc. So your relationship is going to be a bit rocky at first. It's going to, I, I guess they call it the, the storming part of the relationship where there's a few arguments, misunderstandings, things don't go quite so well. Um, but you're learning about each other and you're, you're moving on through that relationship with each other. You've then got the norming stage where you know you both now understand how each other communicates you can communicate more effectively things get done better there's still a few issues but it's you know it's not terrible anymore you're getting used to working with each other and then there's the performing stage of the relationship where you're both just rocking and rolling you know exactly how to brief that developer he knows exactly what it is that uh, you know you require in return and all of that sort of stuff and it's it's just an incredible time so if you're going to go through that process of a relationship you want to you want to give them a small piece of work first so you can essentially storm together for a while and then give them the bigger stuff when you're both performing together so that's that's something we've always done with our hires so with Larissa going through and doing the small stuff and training her up and with our freelancers and contractors doing the exact same process small projects first that we can kind of have lots of mistakes on and mess around for a while until we're all just this amazing unit and we can work on the bigger stuff cool good advice thank you I think it's scary as well isn't it I think get into that stage where you trust someone that much but obviously it takes time mm. and look, looking back at where you've been then and, and before you are now if you had a time machine you can go back right back to the days of like the early days of running your own agency and getting out there what yeah. advice would you give to what would advice would future Lee give to younger Lee uh, well, I would have niched a lot earlier um, because bearing in mind I was back in that agency many years ago and we were we were trying to split ourselves across multiple niches and we were trying to offer multiple services. So I would say do one thing really, really well for one set of people. So niche right down and offer them a, a solution to a, a problem that they have and just become the absolute king of solving that problem for that group of people. If we'd have done that a lot sooner, we'd have grown a lot quicker and we would have made a hell of a lot less mistakes, a hell of a lot less of hires that we didn't really need to make and taken on better customers than a lot of the customers that we ended up taking on. So without that kind of niching and without doing that one or two things really, really well, you're kind of lost as an agency owner and you kind of start taking on any project. You don't know how to generate leads. You don't know how to write the copy on your website because you don't even know who you're talking to. And it just becomes this big mess of going to networking meetings and standing up and say, hey, I'm looking for anyone who needs a website. And anyone can't think of nobody, unfortunately. Yeah. But future, uh, pastly, if you'd have stood up, I'm having to go at myself now. If you had have stood up, Lee, and said, hey, I am looking for event organizers who are looking to put their conferences online and they are struggling with really expensive content management tools, that's a really, really, really specific thing. And I know people would have been able to connect us much earlier on if I'd have done stuff like that. So 100% um, niche down to something. Um, uh, uh, sorry, niche down to an industry, niche down to something that you're doing for that industry. Uh, and then obviously the other thing as a result of that is that you can provide a much you can provide a much better, more focused service for those people and charge a heck of a lot better for it as well. If you just build a website for anyone, then essentially you compete with the entire community of Upwork, which means you are competing on price. However, if you are the best web developer who builds websites for, I don't know, accountants 
and you speak the accountant's language and you know their main problems and you know all the software they use and how to integrate with it all, then you can charge a lot of money and you'll stand out because you're one of those people who knows them and their industry and they're going to want to work with you. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice to me and for anyone who's listening. If you are guilty of standing up and saying, uh, whatever industry you're in, be you web designers, be you uh, consultants, whatever you, you are, if you're if you're standing up and saying, I'm looking for anyone, then you have a problem and you really need to look at niching down to a very specific audience that you can that can become your mission, that you can really look after. Um, and that will in turn help you grow and scale. Cool. I, I think it's an easy trap to fall down. I think when you when you start off and you, I still see people now saying, look, I'll do a website for free or do it for a couple mm-hmm. hundred pounds. You think, well, why? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're that good, but, but so many people do it. And well, the, the problem is, is they are great, but they're lost. They don't yeah. know who they're doing it for. They don't. They haven't got to that point where they know how to solve a problem. Here's a couple of niches you could go and chase right now, wherever you are in the world. So if you, uh, if you let's let's go for the web developer side of the market. So you're a web or web designer. You're a web designer. You build websites. You build them really great. But what you could be really good at is helping builders get appointments. Builders need to have appointments. They need to fill their calendar. So your messaging could be all about hey. Um, people in the trades, I help you get more appointments um, through building amazing looking websites that generate leads. You know, So that's an example of a niche that you could be chasing and instantly you know what to write on your website. You know what to talk about in those networking meetings and that free website or that 200 quid website that you were doing can suddenly become a three, four, five, ten, twenty grand website because you know who you're talking to, you know who you're targeting. Um, and, and that's just a very good example. The other sort of niche you could be going down as well as a productized niche. Um, so perhaps there isn't necessarily, uh, you know, I talked about, I, w- I will help you get appointments. That's a product. You could productize that niche based on a problem. So maybe there are several different industries that all have a unique problem that they share, which could be getting those appointments. So you could still use that same similar niche and again, go after that particular problem like crazy. So looking at Basecamp, for example, they don't niche into any particular industry, but they are niching on that big problem which is project management having all the different people from all the different teams all being able to communicate in one place so they went crazy after that niche that productized niche that problem um, and that therefore led to all of their messaging and their scaling and their growth cool thank you and what would you say the the podcast obviously you said you you wanted to go global you wanted to appeal to certain people you wanted to niche down yourself what what has the podcast done for that obviously it's come on loads Yeah, so for the podcast, for me initially, it was, uh, I launched that for several reasons. I knew I had to, to, uh, had it, had had to, uh, talking talking like my child now, I knew I had to raise my own profile uh, because I wanted to work with more people around the world and it's very difficult to connect with them if I'm just local, doing local networking. So one of the reasons was I wanted to grow my personal brand because people buy from people and I wanted to show the world that I know what I'm talking about. I also wanted to learn from other people and I also wanted to grow my network generally as well. So that was the, those are the key purposes behind that podcast. Uh, And the idea there was to interview my, essentially my target clients and also interview people that my target clients would be interested in listening to which also meant I would grow because each one of those guests that would come on the episode would also therefore share the podcast and say, hey, I was on Lee's show, just like I'm going to share when you make this live and I'm going to share to my audience and say, hey, I was on Dan's show. You can check it out here. Follow Dan, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And I knew that that would help me grow and build my audience. And it was slow going. 
I mean, for years, not for years, but for the first year, we didn't get very many downloads per episode, etc. Uh, but nowadays, we can get anything from twelve to sixteen thousand downloads a month um, of the podcast, which is like unheard of for me. I mean, it's probably not huge for some of these massive podcasts, but for us, in quite a niche, it's really massive for us. And uh, we've got a huge uh, community. We're doing an event off the back of it as well now. We've got a paid-for community as well. There's all sorts of amazing things that have happened that I didn't even expect. I guess going back to what your que- the thing you said, what would I tell Lee? Um, many years ago, you know, obviously the niching down on that problem, well, that problem and that niche becomes very much your mission. And my mission when I launched Angle Crown was to remove stress from agency life because I've seen so many agencies just just give in because it's stressful. You're competing. It's a race to the bottom on price or you're working 18, 20 hour days and it's just awful. Um, so my mission was how can I help them with one thing? And that one thing was, all right, well, I'll at least make the build process easier. But since launching the podcast and growing my network, it's allowed me to solve more and more problems for the same audience. So I can teach agency owners how to run better businesses. I can bring experts in to teach them on onboarding processes. I can share contracts. I can do so much more now to help a much wider audience um, with that main core mission of how can I help remove stress from agency life? How can I help agency owners not give in and actually build businesses that support them and their families? And uh, uh, yeah, so doing something as crazy as a podcast initially feels like there's not much return. But when you look back over three, four years, it's really incredible. So stick to it, mate. Cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It, uh, it's I, th- I think for me, I was like yourself, I, I took probably a year to start a podcast. I joined like WordPress Elevation, I joined Agents Trailblazer community, and, you know, I thought, well, I'm a web developer, but I've got, I'm not, no, there's no expertise in anything. And I started thinking, well, niching will be, you know, non-profits, I've built charity websites, I'm involved in charity, I'm, I'm into politics locally, which is really boring, but I'm a politician, but... I was into That's so cool. many different things. Yeah, it is really boring, yeah. but it's so boring. No, I said it's cool, not boring. No, it's I boring. Think it's cool. I, no, I'm, I like. Um, I don't like national <laughs> politics, but I like. I kind of got involved accidentally. Okay. You know, just going full bore into something. All of a sudden, the accidental could... future prime minister, Dan. Yeah. People are. <laughs> I think when you've got ADHD as well, you kind of go full on like anything. Yeah. If everything you start is you know full on. You can do like more work than anyone. You get so much done. You research stuff, and all of a yep. sudden you've just got an off switch. You've lost yep. interest and it's gone. And yep. everyone else is kind of catching up and doing stuff. And like, wow, you've done loads, but you don't understand that. Well, that's it now. I've got to finish. Yeah. I've done what I was doing. So yeah. trying to keep on with stuff is so difficult. And um, so for several years, I, I work the ambulance service, um, probably see my BBC One. We. <laughs> but, but, but for years then, we did absolutely all sorts. And I kind of thought, well, we need to niche, niche down. It took me a long time to get to this. Yeah. And... The, the whole niche for charity thing was like kind of like, well, it made sense because we'd done it before. And then after probably like a year of going for that and building a few charity websites and non-profits and political organisations, it's really, it's just, it's boring. It's, it's, it's not for me. I don't like doing yeah. that. And then kind of the ADHD thing popped into my head randomly. It's just like a, a thought and I thought, I've got to pursue this and do it now. And yeah. I don't know, I've lost where I was. But, but, the but that, agency... that's becoming your mission, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that like, is becoming your mission. Your mission is to help and other I, people. I was going to say, from agency yeah. trailblades, when the people I spoke to in your community, it's kind of given me this broader idea of, well, I don't need to be competing against web developers because, obviously, the WordPress community is amazing. It is absolutely brilliant. There's so much help and people will help each other and you don't kind of get it in other areas of business. 
Um, WordPress is amazing for that. But before that, and after speaking in ADHD forums and different people on Reddit, it's kind of like, well, this is what we want to do now. And getting get into that and sticking with it is it's going to be going to be difficult. We've got bills to pay. I've got things to do, and you kind of feel like you're getting nowhere. But then when you get messages and people are saying, "Well, this is brilliant," or "You've done this," or and I, and I think there's there's people out there. There's you know Mike Killen, he's amazing. He puts so much content out there, and there's so many people putting content out there that are experts at something. But yet you'll still get a message from someone saying, "How do I do this?" Well, you've got Google, you've got YouTube there with all these people that have got hundreds of thousands of followers that could probably give you a lot better answer. But you've you're listening to me, mm-hmm. which I think, well, I might tell you something wrong. But you you actually you're coming to me for content and for, for answers. So surely I'm just going to stick with it now and go for it. But um, yeah, well, I, I think I, I think if you've got a long term, like one of the things you're an ADHD sufferer as well yourself, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is is brilliant because. Um, you're not saying to people, I have all of the answers. You're actually saying, come on this journey with me and let's learn together how to build better businesses, uh, which is essentially exactly what I'm doing in Agency Trailblazer. It's not that I'm presenting myself as the guy who has all the answers. I'm saying, come on this journey with me. I I might be a little bit ahead of you, so I can give you some of the answers that you're asking for, like the things that you said. People will come to you and you say, well, you could go after those other people, but you're asking me. But equally, it's helping me learn so much more how to run a better agency or for you how to manage better your ADHD because of the guests you're going to have on the show and the people who are sharing their experiences in your Facebook group, etc. If you're listening to this podcast right now, do Dan a solid and join his Facebook group as well because you're going to get more value by being a part of those conversations as opposed to just listening in because you will also help not only teach Dan but teach yourselves and also help build this podcast into a better show. It's exactly the same with our podcast having that group helped form the direction of uh, of our podcast and i think that's why it's led to long-term loyal listeners who've listened for years um so yeah like myself exactly yeah and, no and you've you've kind of answered the next question <laughs> you know um your facebook group is, is fantastic the community is helpful it's active it's growing and there's so many facebook groups i've joined and left or i've not bothered leaving mm. i just don't follow them anymore yeah but there's so many that are especially around wordpress and web design that people just want to spam or they're not active it's just the same kind of crap so to have an actual I don't, I don't look at the numbers i look at the you know the activity and the engagement which is absolutely fantastic in your group but mm-hmm. how what advice would you give to anyone else trying to grow a facebook group with the right people yeah uh well you just need to have a a, a policy of being all right. So when I launched the group, the idea was is that I wanted to make sure I was present as much as I could be to answer questions and to ask questions as well. Um, and it grew pretty quickly. Other people started helping themselves so I could take a bit of a step back. So I don't want to be this this to have been the Lee show uh, all the time, as it were. I wanted this to be about building a community of people. What I did do, though, was uh, if I spotted anybody trying to sneakily share a link or promote themselves i would remove it i would tell them not to do it again um and then if they did it again they would be blocked from the group and we've continued that to this day but thankfully as we've grown and some of the original founder members who were involved i've grown to you know grow to trust with i've then been able to make a few of those to be moderators as well so that they can also keep their eye on what's going on who's who's clearly spamming the group who's being a 
jackass to someone in the yeah. comments, etc. Because now and again, you're going to get, you know, it's the internet, you're going to get some people um, being being horrible, etc. Now, with regards to having the group, though, I'd really su- suggest that you want to create like an identity. So we've got the W, we were called WP Innovator until we changed it to Agency Trailblazer. So we were all the WP Innovators, um, you know, so we became a community, we, we had a label. Um, so again, if you can, if you build, whoever is building a Facebook group, you're kind of building your tribe, you can give yourselves a label, people like to belong, and they're going to start to belong to the community of whatever your community name is, they they might develop a nickname, just like the pop stars have nicknames for their followers, uh, like Lady Gaga's Little Monsters or whatever, you know, the... Believers. The, 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 yeah, you're off, <laughs> mate. Yeah. Definitely need to put an E on this episode now oh. uh, for swearing, Justin Bieber. There you go. And um, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and and build your community kind of based on that. Um, but obviously remember that you own the community as well and as in you are the lead and it's okay for you to share your stuff in there because uh, you're providing people tons of value anyway. So, for example, I've been pitching our uh, membership in the group now and again, and I also pitch our event because it will help the people who are a member of the group. But equally, um, you know, so I don't feel bad about that. Oh, no, but no. I, but I won't let other people do it unless they come to me and say, hey, Lee, can I promote this? And I'll say, yes, absolutely. And I don't even want an affiliate link. Thank you for asking me. And that's going to add value to my community. So, yes, go ahead and share or I will share it for you. Uh, that's also cool. But, uh, yeah. That was a bit of a tangent. No, that's good. That's good. Right, and you see as well, have you heard of Mr. Hinch? I have, yeah. yeah. Hinchers. Yeah, Hinchers, yeah. My wife's, now, even, oh, my wife's a Hincher and we oh. have all these things in the house that she bought for, because of that Instagram yeah. Um, channel. Yeah. Account, whatever you call it. Oh, By the way, that. can I just congratulate you in finishing the Lego on the, the left-hand side of my screen here? Oh, it's not me. It's my son. <laughs> This is we we are literally we we need a new house we need a bigger house we've got four children now. Well, so you've asked your son to build one out of Lego. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. This is we've got Star Wars, we've got Ninjago, Harry Potter, and it's everywhere. That's awesome. There's other. You're blaming your son. Let me see. My my other half loves it as well. But let me see if you can see this. Probably got out of focus. Oh wow, mate, that's legendary. That should be your podcast artwork. Look at that. Cool. That's my other half loves it. I'm so my lads. They're um. Their Star Wars collection is absolutely yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So Star Wars, they've got like a bedroom full of it. And then my, my two-year-old daughter, she's turned two. She loves Lego. Oh. And she loves to get it and pull apart their figures and yeah. tell everyone. But yeah, so it's very much a Lego house. Like a family. And la- last thing as well, I know we're again going off. This is meant to be a business podcast, but oh, I'm, yeah. I'm loving the sleeve you've got going on there as oh, well. Cool. The tab- Thank you. How, how long did that take? Look at that. This is beautiful. It's a few years old now. It's, um, I don't know, about seven sessions. Look at that. Someone guys, if you're listening, watch the video. Old. This yeah. guy's got a cool sleeve. That's I've cool. got zero zero tattoos because I'm too scared. Oh, no, no. They're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, the first one I ever had, right? You can't see it anymore. It's covered up. It was yeah. awful. It was a Chinese symbol. I think it means get drunk, apparently. Oh. But I Why remember going in with my dad. I took my dad in. He's covered in tattoos. <laughs> and we went in. I was 17. I thought, you know, I'm going to look so cool with this, with this tattoo. Yeah. I'm not getting a tribal. Everyone has tribal, don't they? It was that kind of era. There was tri- oh, you are showing your age, eh? Yeah, there was there was tribal everywhere and Chinese symbols. Yeah. And I, I went in and chose a random one off the wall. He did it, and I remember shaking. I couldn't stay still. And did this little tiny little sign on my arm. It took about half an hour. Uh-uh. But then I was so cool after. Got up town. I was wearing like vests. Like, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they were Definitely awful. showing your age, mate. Loving Definitely. it. Yeah. But um, yeah. We talk about Florida as well. Oh yeah, ask me away. Fan. 
Second. You're a big Disney fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Massive Disney fan. Oh, we are. More of the half is. Yeah. So you are just by default. Yes, but... Yeah, and Got Star Wars yeah. is now owned by Disney, so you are, again, by oh, default, good, yeah. a Disney fan. Yeah. That, that is... Um, so I was never into Star Wars, but my children, when they were two and three, the boys, yeah. they suddenly, I think they've seen like a Lego Star Wars and tell you something random, and all mm. of a sudden they're into Star Wars, and it's just from nowhere. So we've had to learn everything about Star Wars. Power of branding, eh? Yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. But then you go off to Disney, and they come out with all sorts, and it's kind of keeps them entertained for years, but it's amazing. So, yeah. Um, so what, did, what were you going to ask me about Florida, sorry? I can't remember now. We've gone off again, haven't we? Um, we do it all the time. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Florida's amazing. You mentioned at the beginning, because uh, I, th- I think what you might be asking about is we went over to Florida for a little while. Is that what the question yeah. you meant? Or was uh, it just I've, that? I heard as well. I heard you say a while ago you grew up in, was it Canada? Yeah, yeah. So we're can- and Canadian. Yeah. You can't tell. No. Yeah. So how long have you been in the UK? Uh, since I was about four. So that's oh. why I'm. I'm, I'm British sounding, but yeah. I think what you'd heard was how we'd spent a couple of months out there. Yeah. Uh, so the reason why we built Angle Crown was to essentially build a business that would help other agencies, but equally help us build our own lifestyle as well, where we could do things um, like spend a couple of months in a different country to give my daughter that sort of experience and also for me to network for the other business that I have. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the reason why we did that, which was cool. And um, unfortunately, due to family ill health, we're stuck in the UK probably for another year or so. But once that's all sorted out, we'll probably do something similar again, sure. uh, which will be awesome. But yeah, back to Disney. Freaking love it. I even did a Disney podcast for a while. Um, might do it again. Don't know, another season. I've got a few potential guests that I could pull on the show. So, uh, But obviously, Agency Trailblazer needs to be my focus. If I do too many side projects, yeah. other things start to suffer. So I kind of have to do one thing really well rather than you know mix it up too much. So, so, so again, then, when we talk about like, the podcast, you've got the podcast, you've got the, the business, you've got the conference, Agency Transformation Live coming up. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is a lot of things. So how do you stay on track and, and like resist that urge to kind of you know start something else? Uh, stay on track by doing these lists. So we use a good old-fashioned to-do lists. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not listening, if you're not watching this, then I've got the good old-fashioned to-do list book, which literally has priority numbers so I can say you know how important things are, uh, and I can list them all out, and I can put a line through them and tick them, which is really, really helpful. I've done this for years. Uh, it's my absolute favorite way of planning uh, what I do. We've got ClickUp. We've got project management systems. We've got processes and everything. But when it comes to making sure I do the really, really important stuff, they go down on a list um, that I write with a pen, and um, we focus on those. We have to uh, – I listen to a lot of philosophy as well, which really helps. And um, they talk about uh, you know, we've only got a certain amount of time on this earth, which I'm not going to go depressing with you, but, you know, I lost my dad. He was young. Um, you know, all, all sorts of things have happened. We've had people die in our family who, you know, died too soon. And it makes you realize that life is really short. And um, I have some really important things I want to do in my life, like do an event that's going to help people, like, you know, keep this podcast growing and, and adding more value to people. Um, so if I decide to sit there doing nothing, I'm not helping myself with that mesh mission and I'm losing time. Um, so those sorts of thought processes from philosophy, I, I follow uh, YouTube channels like the School of Life um, and I follow, uh, there's a few Stoic um 
channels as well on YouTube that you could probably check out. And they give you bite-sized information, which is really helpful for people like me who only I literally need the nugget of the wisdom and then I can process it myself. Um, but having those sort of thought patterns really helps keep me focused. So I'm really focused on how important it is that this event is a success for the people that come. Um, so that I can keep doing it and keep growing it and perhaps it can become a global thing. It's really important that I keep this podcast going. It's really important that I service my Angle Crown people as you know to the best of my ability because that will help me do more and help more people. So it's always with that underlying mission and also trying to find frameworks for my own thought processes to help me realize what's important. If I'm going to sit on this, the couch behind me and watch tic- and look at TikTok things for three hours, which we we literally did that, didn't we? Half an hour, we spent half an hour going through TikTok, you know, the uh, the app, watching all these people doing the dancing and stuff like that. And then I have to go through a thought process and go, okay, this is not helping me achieve what I need to achieve. This is not helping me in my mission and it is wasting time. You know, I can go and do that fun stuff tonight. I've now got four hours where I can... Uh, here's my list, which really helps all the big things into tiny little things. If you notice on my um, to-do list again on the screen that things go down into little subtasks, um, that's the big things broken down into little achievable things. So as long as I'm doing even the little achievable things for the quick wins to give me that satisfaction, I still know I'm going towards whatever that mission is. So I'm still doing it. I'm still keeping focused, etc. Um, but definitely recommend... Um, listening to a bit of the old philosophers There's some wise people of 2000 years ago, especially the stoic philosophers. They're amazing. Yeah. Good or like it's, um, not Dale Carnegie. He's brilliant, but some of the old books are like, yeah. I think they're like 60, 70 years old and they're absolutely amazing about prosperity and success and, and mindset. Mm. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I think some of the old ones are the best, aren't they? Success for me is finishing at three and hanging out with the family. So uh, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been trying to really aim for, which means that does not necessarily mean, therefore, I have millions in the bank. But what it does mean is it it means that I've chosen not to spend money on certain things so I can get time with the family anyway. So I don't know whether I would fall into any of those successful sorts. My message is completely different, I think, from most, you know, like the Gary V's who are saying, you know, do this, do 100 pieces of content, do this, do this, burn out and basically die stressed. Uh, My message is completely different. because I have to preach it to myself all the freaking time. Stop going off down on this tangent because I think I need to grow my business to be a multi-million pound business when actually it's more important. I spend time with my daughter who is currently suffering with an illness, so I need to be with her. So finish at three. Don't go after all of these other things because she's not going to thank me when she's 18, is she? Um, and she's hardly seen me. So, um, yeah, that's that's the other thing that kind of keeps me focused on these smaller amounts of time that I work, which is – need to be out there with a the family as well yeah exactly most important thing and, and you say without depressing people again like you working in the ambulance for so many years you see i see people all the time you hear stories and yeah. you see things people just get wiped out it could be anything yeah. you know chap walking on his bike the other week um hit by a bus random randomly you yeah. know just just going out for work and whatever hit by a bus fairly yeah. odd and that happens all the time it makes you realize you know there's no point chasing something out and just, just working constantly. What, what's the point? Yeah, because none of us are guaranteed, are, are we, that we're going to retire healthy and be able to travel the world. So uh, yeah. a four-hour work week's a brilliant book to read for that. It's actually what one of the books that changed my life. Not 
the premise of what he said to do. I've ignored all of that. Um, but there was a few things, uh, I think, with any book that you read, just take out the one thing that you need to learn. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It was a book I read where, where I understood there's no such things as bad choices. You just feel the fear. You do whatever it is and you go down that channel. And then with regards to the four-hour work week, uh, the idea of having mini retirements now was a very much a part of his message, which is why we did the Florida thing. So mini retirements now whilst you're still young. So build a business that allows you to take those breaks. And I imagine if you if you do have ADHD as well, that's probably a really healthy thing to be able to do to take time off as well and to actually split up your you know your work and your life life as it were um, in those sorts of ways. So that's a really helpful book um, that changed the way I thought about doing business um, and the sorts of work I take on. We actually say no to a lot more business than we say yes to for that reason. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think getting to that point where you pick and choose who you work with and working with the right people, I think it makes such a difference. You can work with the wrong people. It's just nothing but stress. It does when you don't have to turn over millions as well. Because if you've got this mission where you're all about the numbers, um, then that must add a whole load of stress. Whereas for me, because it's not about the numbers, it's essentially make there are numbers involved. I have to make sure that we have a business. I'm not trading insolvent or anything like that. We're turning over and we have a decent profit and all of that sort of stuff. So as long as that's all covered, which it is, it means I don't have to stress out about, oh, we haven't grown by 20% this year. Well, who cares? Because I finished at three every day last week. So that's the measure of success. Not, you know, whether or not there's been 20% of growth year on year on profits, which doesn't interest me. And I'm sure it interests other people and that's all good. But for me, it's, it's your own, it's your own truth, isn't it? You need to, to, to go after what you, you need to go after. Definitely. And time's important. More important than money sometimes, but yeah. So <laughs> What's next for Agency trans- um, agency Trailblazer? All right. Well, more of the same. Um, so the on- ongoing plan is to keep going with the podcast. Uh, we're growing our membership community. So that's the paid community where people get weekly calls with us and all that sort of stuff. And we share more and more value, get more and more guests in to help them with the things that they're struggling with. Uh, so obviously there's a free Facebook group, but we don't do that in there. We do all of that in the paid stuff. So that will help me to continue to build up revenue, obviously, for the business. But more importantly, it'll help me to help more and more people. It's like a one-to-many relationship. If you're working on one-on-one, you can only help so many people in the world with your mission. Whereas if you're doing, say, a membership, um, an event and a podcast it's a one-to-many relationship so my push will be to go more in that direction more content creation more value for people either through events through paid um through paid communities through the free community uh, through the podcast and also the book that i'm writing as well which had to go on a bit of a back burner when we had a few health scares but it's coming back out of to blow the dust off it and keep writing that book and hopefully launch it next year as well so quite a lot of stuff to go on um and throughout it, batching and doing little bits, quick wins, so that I, as long as I'm going in that direction, it doesn't matter if it takes a bit longer than normal. So that's, that's probably some good advice as well. Cool. Cool. What's the book called? Not telling you. It's uh, great, great title, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to wait and uh, see. <laughs> the working title is just the Reset Roadmap. Um, but it's going to be called something completely different that will be uh, that will help people understand what it's about. But for now, working title, Reset Roadmap, which is essentially telling people how we reset our entire approach um, to our agency and we're able to scale and become profitable and develop a lifestyle that works for everyone. So it, it's all that story, basically, but de- unpacked with steps and, and questions and workbooks, et cetera. So. Awesome. But how, how are you managing... I was, I was going to ask you this about blogging, so I'll ask you about the book and, and blogging. How are you managing keeping consistent with writing? Do you use Evernote? Do you use 
Is it just Google Docs? Use anything in particular or pen and paper? No. Um, speak into your phone uh, on the Rev.com app, and then Rev.com will type it up for you. I've done this for years, mate. Um, basically, I just, I'll just i be out for a walk. I'll have maybe two or three subjects that I might need to create content on. Um, I'll break those subjects. So uh, that'll be a, a blog title. I'll bl- break that up into, say, five bullet points. And then I'll essentially look at it on my screen. I'll ask myself the question, and then I'll record myself answering them as if I was in a meeting. I'll send that off to Rev.com. They'll transcribe it, and then we'll edit that transcription to make it look a bit more of a structured blog job done. So it allows me to create blog posts really, really quickly without having to spend hours and hours and hours. If you're going to sit in front of a blank piece of paper and try and think of an opening line, it's going to take you half an hour, and you're going to self-edit as you go. But when you talk, like we've been doing on this podcast, if you got this podcast transcribed, you would have a whole lot of blog posts out of this, which you can just edit slightly so that the conversation or the the, the words flow better. Um, it's going to take you a lot less time to edit content than it is to try and create it from scratch. So that's my top tip on the writing. I love that. Top and, tip. And if anyone wants Rev.com, obviously it's Rev.com. Rev.com. <laughs> R-E-V.com. What the Rev charge now? Is it $1 per minute? Something like that. There are other services as well. I just yeah. use Rev because I believe they've got a human on the other side actually doing it as opposed to some of these others that are all uh, computerized. Yeah. Um, if you want something free, you can use otter.ai, um, which uses voice recognition. And it's pretty good on the punctuation and grammar, which is pretty impressive for free. And I think you can get so many hours for free before you have to pay. So that might be worth it if you just need the basics. But if you want someone to put it in a document, then Rev.com. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes. Otter.ai. Yeah. I've not tried that. So I, I tried um, I tried some voice recognition and it was it was changing everything. And I thought, well, you're better off just paying for Rev. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it exactly. was. It was you know what I, mean? I, was, I was editing. I may as well have talk, I could talk quicker than I could using this software and going back and changing everything. But um, yeah, it's amazing. So apart from Rev.com, apart from obviously WordPress, what's the best piece of tool or software you use in business that you couldn't live without? Mm, best piece of software that I couldn't live without is probably Book Like a Boss, awesome. which is, yeah, um, because that allows me to send a link out and like you did for this, grab a slot of time and I can either do a consultancy call, I can do a podcast recording, I can uh, be a guest on a podcast or whatever, and I can just send people a link out and say, hey, pick something that works for you. Um, because I do believe it's really important to be able to look at the person and to talk to them. But I also don't want to travel for miles because that takes me away from my family. So, uh, yeah, having but like a boss, which is integrated with Zoom, which is the other tool, if I'm allowed to use two, um, Zoom is incredible as well because book like a boss and Zoom talk to each other, which means if someone books a meeting with me, it creates a Zoom room. I just turn up in the Zoom room at the time they've selected and we have a great conversation, job done. So, uh, yeah, brilliant for any business, I think, that doesn't want to travel too much. Yeah, too right. Definitely. And that's that's one of the I've, I've just got Book Like a Boss on AppSumo. Mm-hmm. I've tried Acuity. I've tried uh, – there's a few tools out there for booking. And they hit me calendarly. Pretty good as well. But if yeah. you, unless you want to pay an uh, extortionate monthly fee for some of them, Book Like a Boss at the minute is current AppSumo deals at $49. Yeah. And, it, and it's awesome. Pretty much as good as the rest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll wrap up shortly. And – just wanted to ask you as well what's your favorite book on business we've talked about the four-hour work week what is your favorite book and why uh well um obviously i've mentioned two so far four-hour work week and feel the fear and do it anyway another book though i'd highly recommend is uh, the e-myth revisited 
And that's really talking uh, to you about how why we all got in business and explaining the franchise model that works so well for people like my, uh, McDonald's, etc. Um, you can essentially put a McDonald's in any town. And if as long as that McDonald's follows that exact process that has been laid out over the years by McDonald's, then it will be a successful business. Um, so it's talking about how to use the franchise model inside of small businesses and also helping you understand how your own brain works um inside of us there's three different characters there's the the person who just wants to get the work done there's the entrepreneur and there's the business manager and they're all fighting for attention um so it's really really good book uh, to help you understand a your own brain um and recognize the signs when maybe the entrepreneur inside of you is starting to fight with the manager inside of you um but equally it's great as well to help you understand how to document process so that you can make things a lot easier um, and you can get more people involved in the future who can follow those sorts of processes. So E-Myth Revisited, so that's three really good books for our work week. I feel the fear and do it anyway, and E-Myth Revisited. Awesome. That'll be in the show notes. And then finally, last question. You, you've interviewed low end of people. You're on nearly episode 200. It'll be 200 by the time this goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, who else should we try to interview? Who do you think could add value to other people with ADHD trying to get in, get in business? Uh, well, I think you should have people on your show like Troy Dean, for example. I can obviously make an introduction to you. Also, Kim Doyle um, with regards to content. Mike Killen, um, I recommend you have on the podcast if you've not had him on already either, uh, with regards to especially talking around sales and selling. He's a really, really clever guy. Um, I would recommend you look at the Agency Trailblazer podcast because there is a hell of a lot of good people on there that you could interview that obviously I have connections with. Um, but for ADHD sufferers as well, those people I've mentioned are very clear. They've got a great message and they all come from a really good heart as well of wanting to help and to serve. Um, so those are definitely the sort of people I'd recommend that you connect with. Um, yeah, I would say those. Awesome. They're all on my trailer board, all, all three of them. So yeah. Sweet. Awesome. All right, thanks ever so much. And if anyone wants to find more about Lee... Obviously, you can go to agencytrailblazer.com. Where mm-hmm. else can they find you for the connect to you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, Lee Jackson Dev on Twitter um, or Love Your Agency on Instagram. Awesome. Right, All thanks right, so much for time, Lee, and hopefully see you shortly. Nice one. Take months. care, buddy. Take care, Lee. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast the number one resource for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs with ADHD. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you found this episode useful, please do leave a review. If you have any questions or if you want to speak to other business owners just like you, join us in our free Facebook community. Head to entrepreneur.com forward slash group to join. And finally, this episode was brought to you by Hoxo Creative, the web agency that helps your business stand out and get results. If you want to find out how you can get better results from your website or social media efforts, head over to the blog at hookso.co.uk where you'll find a number of free resources. Hey.